Hi, friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles. Welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warriors Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar sinai for 31 years. I'm so excited for today's show. We have two guests. We have the great Maurice Jones-Drew, the legendary running back for the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars. But for us here in Los Angeles... He's a proud alumnus of UCLA, where he was a star on the football field. And later at 8.15, my guest will be Rams star, my favorite Rams football player of all time, the great Fred Dreyer. Today's topic is relatable to both of their careers, but specifically to Maurice Jones-Drew. I remember when he was at UCLA in college, when he was interviewed, he said that his grandmother encouraged him to take ballet classes, that it would make him lighter on his feet, being able to change directions in an instant. And he did it. He was this macho football player talking about ballet and the ability to learn the tools of ballet and transfer them to the football field. I remember Fred Dreyer saying how he was outweighed by 80 pounds as a defensive player, such a disadvantage, and how he was get, able to get around that size disadvantage he had by being so quick to change directions. Because in essence, that's what ballet teaches you. So it made me think all week. In the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery, being able to change directions in an instant. Now, granted, ballet physically teaches you that. But the more I looked into it, the more I realized it also teaches you to mentally and emotionally feel confident in changing directions in an instant with your life. Look at Fred Dreyer transitioning from the football field to acting. Look at Maurice Jones-Drew, easily able to leave the football field and go into broadcasting. The gift that you get from learning physically how to change directions in an instant is actually the key to learning how to do it with the rest of your life. As I looked into it, I thought back, on who are my favorite sports examples of changing in an instant. The running back for the San Diego Chargers that I love to watch the most was LaDainian Tomlinson. He could change directions in an instant. Yes, 
There's Barry Stan Sanders. Yes, there's Emmett Smith. Yes, there's Walter Payton. But I just love what LaDainian Tomlinson was able to do. And when I delved into his life and where he learned how to do this, it was amazing. So in a minute, you'll hear sound bites of the journey of LaDainian Tomlinson being able to not only physically change directions in an instant, but also mentally. And then it made me think all week, who really is the penultimate ballet person to master the physicality of changing direction in an instant and was able to do it emotionally and mentally in their life? Well, his name was Rudolf Nureyev. He was the greatest ballet dancer of the 20th century. And when he danced, it shocked people, the athleticism of being able to see him literally fly in the air, doing things nobody else could do. But in 1961, he left Russia. He escaped Russia at the Paris airport. He changed direction in his life in a way that nobody else could do. And I believe it's because of the lessons he learned in ballet. And we'll get into that. The sound bites are amazing. Clapper vision, it's got to be about Rams running back Cam Akers. He has a high ankle sprain, and we are going to miss him tomorrow against the Seattle Seahawks. Let's hope we do better than we did against the New York Jets. But what is a high ankle sprain? Why is it different than a low ankle sprain? What does the word high mean when you talk about an ankle sprain? So here's my clapper vision. When you watch that TV show, Hawaii Five-0, or if you ever visit Hawaii, you'll see that they use a canoe in the ocean, not a canoe that Daniel Boone uses to go down a lazy river. You can't use a canoe like that on the ocean because when the waves come, it'll flip you over. So it's the Polynesians, the Hawaiians, who figured out to put an outrigger on their canoe. And the best clapper vision for a high ankle sprain is that your tibia, your shin bone, is the canoe where the men and women sit with their paddles. But what keeps it from tipping over, that gives stability to the ankle, that gives stability to the boat, is the small bone on the little toe side of your lower leg better known as the fibula. It only carries 15% of our weight. 85% of our weight goes through that big shin bone, the tibia. But all the ligaments, all the muscles that allow you to move your ankle around so that you can walk on gravel and walk on sand allows you to rotate your ankle, not only as a hinge, but you can turn your ankle in and outward that stability to have all those planes of freedom, freedom of movement comes from the fibula, believe it or not. Clapper vision. So those structures, the interosseous membrane, the ligaments that bridge the gap between the shin bone, the tibia, and the fibula is just like the outrigger canoe. Having those horizontal pieces of wood and rope connecting the outrigger to the main canoe so it doesn't tip over, so it gives it stability in the ocean waves. Well, a high ankle sprain 
It's as if you rip the outrigger from being attached to the canoe. A high ankle sprain is the separation of the fibula from the tibia. It's so painful. We call it a squeeze test. You just squeeze the medial and lateral malleolus of your ankle. You squeeze them together and the patient screams in pain. You know they've torn those key ligaments. And that is why he's missing tomorrow's game. Tua Tungvaloa had this happen when he was at Alabama before the big championship game. And we used a device called a tightrope to fix it, which is a whole nother discussion. Three weeks later, he was playing on the field after a high ankle sprain. I'm not suggesting that they do that to Cam Akers. You generally want to let things heal on their own first and only think of surgery if that fails. But the Hawaiian outrigger canoe is your tibia and fibula. There's your clap revision. And we'll get into more later on in the show. The number is 877-710-ESPN. But let's get into the topic, the whole idea of changing directions in an instant, the life and career of one of my favorite running backs of all time, the great Ladanian Tomlinson. Let's listen to his story. Lorenzo Neal, his teammate who used to block for him, talks about him as being a jackrabbit, that he can change directions in an instant. Let's go to number one. I've seen trained monkeys, donkeys, elephants, big old tigers and lions. I said, you've never seen a trained jackrabbit. And I said, you're like a jackrabbit when you get the ball. You don't know where you're going. That's Lorenzo Neal from the San Diego Chargers talking about his teammate, the running back, LaDainian Tomlinson. Listen now to the announcers say one thing that just will blow you away. Watching him run, changing directions in an instant, you'll hear them say he made a cut very few can make. Let's listen to number two. That's insane. That is. That's off the chart. He is driving him crazy. A cut that only few have ever been able to make. And that is why LaDainian Tomlinson, Maurice Jones-Drew, Walter Payton, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, they can change direction on a dime. That's the secret, is being able to do that physically, but also being able to do that mentally. Don't forget my favorite running back, Marcus Allen, despite Al Davis trying to squash him. Nobody did it better than Marcus Allen as well, but LaDainian Tomlinson did it in a very special way. Where did it come from? Who inspired LaDainian Tomlinson? Well, the greatest of the greatest, number three. You had this guy, Walter Payton, very tough, physical, but also had the movement and wasn't a very big guy. I wasn't a very big guy. Once Walter retired, Emick took over that role being the running back that I, I looked up to and I followed. When he was 13, he had his heart set on attending a Cowboys football camp. Right away, mom said, boy, you know, LaDainian, I don't know about this. You know, you're going to have to stay in dorms. You're going to be gone for three days or whatnot. And look how much money it costs. I said, Mom, I need this. This is what I've been waiting for. Money was not available to LaDainian Tomlinson as a kid. And his mom is raising him, as we'll learn later exactly what happened in the case of Nuriev, raised by his mom 
dirt poor. But Ladanium had his had his heart set on going to this Cowboys football camp for three days. Money was tight, but God bless his mom. She gave up a lot and made it happen. Next. During a handoff drill, a surprise visitor made an appearance. Emma Smith just jumps in the line and happens to be handing the ball off to me. Out of all the kids that's in the line, he happened to be handing the ball off to me. I remember the kids were going crazy. I mean, we was fighting. They was trying to get in front of me so they could take a handoff from Emmett. And I was like, no, this is my spot. You know, I'm taking the handoff. Later on that day, I'm leaving the dorm room to go upstairs. Emmett Smith is coming down the stairs, and he almost runs me over. Holds me up. Keeps me from falling. Number five. Kids, you all right? Oh, yes, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm great. I said, hey, kid, you know, you got some talent. You got some speed. Keep working hard. And I was like, yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He was one of those kids that you just cannot ignore. He's one of those kids that you sit back and like, wow, man, this boy here, you keep it up. You're going to be something someday. That experience alone changed my life because it gave me confidence in myself. It gave me belief. But because of uh, Ladanian Tomlinson's size, he didn't get to start as a football player till the senior year, his senior year in high school. And then all of a sudden, his mom says, we got to move. You're going to have to go to a different high school. Don't discount the dream that a kid can have. Ladanian Tomlinson already saw his future but you can't throw him into a different high school right now. So he begs and pleads with his mom, if you need to move, you go move. But I got to figure out how to stay here for my senior year. What a story. Number six. Ladanian would not get a chance to start at running back for his high school until his senior year. But before the season arrived, his mom announced they were moving two hours away. Mom, no way, you can't do this to me right now, Mom. I said, I said, Mom, if I want to have a chance to go to college, I need to stay at this high school. This is my best chance to show people what I can do, to show the scouts what I can do. And he does. He lives with a family of a teammate. He's so driven, LaDainian Tomlinson, in his very first game as a starter. He did what Alvin Kamara did yesterday for the Saints. He scored six touchdowns in a single game. Number seven. Ladanian stayed behind and lived with the family of one of his teammates. In his first game starting at running back for University High, he scored six touchdowns. He didn't have a, a whole lot of teams that was recruiting him. Well, he's not quite the size that we're looking for. Well, you know, he doesn't quite have that 40 time that we're looking for. On the field, Ladanian refused to be brought down. Oh, I love it. Maurice Jones-Drew is on the line. All right, let's, I want him to hear about Ladanian Tomlinson because he could teach us a few things. Oh, that's so great. All right, number eight. I cry every time I read this letter because it still means so much to me. Hello, Mom. How are you doing? Mom, I love you so much that every time I say it or write it, it brings tears to my eyes. 
One day you will be the proudest mom in the world. Because I'm going to go to college and graduate, and if God is willing, go on to play pro football and be the best person I can. Number nine. All I remember is Coach grabbed me. He said, you know, you need like four yards to get the national record. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, do you want to get it? I said, Coach, that's, that's not important to me. We got the win. He said, no, you go get it. Here's the handoff. Here's LaDainian. Breaks left. Has the yardage down to the 20, maybe the 19. And that should be a record-setting carry for LaDainian Tomlinson. But it put me at like, I don't know, like, 398 or something, they was like, you're about to get 400 yards. No one has ever done that before. Give it to him again. Everybody knew he was getting it. Next. Well, I think everybody in the house knows who's going to get the ball. Toto hands off to LT. LT inside the 10 to the 5. He has broken not only the single game NCAA record, but has broken the 400-yard barrier. And the whole team is gathered around TCU went 1-10 when Tomlinson was a freshman. His senior year, they finished 10-2. Tomlinson ran for over 2,000 yards and was named a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. And number 12. Tomlinson was intent on taking the Chargers to the top. When Drew Brees took over as quarterback, that goal appeared in reach. In 2003, Tomlinson became the first player to rush for a thousand yards and catch a hundred passes. In 2004, the Chargers won their first division title in a decade. By the time we got to 2005, I think we all felt like we were right there on the cusp. In the final game of the season, Breeze tore his shoulder. Breeze tore his shoulder. But we're listening to the incredible career of LaDainian Tomlinson. But I want to get to one point, and then I can't wait to ask Maurice Jones-Drew about it. When you hear LaDainian Tomlinson in this one play that's falling apart before his eyes, the ability to change directions in an instant, you'll hear him say, I bounced. Let me just set it up here. It's 2006. The Chargers are about to set a record with LaDainian Tomlinson. 31 touchdowns in a single season, but it almost didn't happen. Number 13. I said, guys, you know, we're going to all be old one day. When we look back on this clip, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about us. I was crying in the huddle just because I knew we were about to do something. I had tears in my eyes snapping. I was like, oh, God, don't mess this snap up. And I'm like, all right, LT, I said, get on my hip and don't dip. Let's go. We're going to score this touchdown. I'm like, this is going to be great. I get to lead LTN. going to be on NFL Network. This is going to be great. The play is designed to go straight up the middle. I see the safety. I'm going to go blow this guy up. I trip. I fall. He trips and he falls. What do you do now? To be able to change directions in an instant. This is the secret of ballet. This is the secret of elite running backs like Maurice Jones-Drew, LaDainian Tomlinson. Listen to when he says, what did I do? I do what I do. I bounced it. I changed directions in an instant. Finally, let's listen. Number 14. So what did I do? I bounced it. 
remember the offensive line. That's why you're the greatest. That's why you're the greatest. The joy they had picking him up, and just everybody felt a part in it. The great number 21, as humble as the day is long, celebrated with all of his teammates in the end zone. There was no spotlight dance. Pointing to the guys, pointing to the crowd, as it wasn't about him. And that's why guys loved him. How many touchdowns did he had that year? Was it 26? 31 touchdowns? 31 touchdowns in one season? It's a crazy number. It's a crazy number. But I believe that ability to turn directions physically allows you also in life to change directions mentally and emotionally. The Damian Tomlinson became, after his football career, a great broadcaster, just like Maurice Jones-Drew. What did Maurice Jones-Drew learn from ballet that helps him not only physically, but mentally? I know he's busy and I really appreciate him making the time. Coming up next, we're going to talk to the great Maurice Jones-Drew. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Magandan Umaga. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Cells are just tiny people. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Come on, come on. I see no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That song is called Changes, Changing Directions in Life, Physically and Mentally. That's the topic today, and nobody knows it better than my guest. I'm so excited to talk to him, the great Maurice Jones-Drew. Maurice, thanks so much for being here with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, No problem, no problem. How are things going? Uh, It's great. I know how busy you are, and, you know, working at Cedars in the hospital, The whole world around us is changing. We can learn from people like you, Maurice Jones-Drew. Not not how to carry a football and go 100 yards on a kickoff, but how you learn from changing directions on the field for all of us to learn how to maybe change directions in our lives. And that's what I want to get into with you. I have remembered hearing you speak when you were in college, giving credit to your grandmother for encouraging you to take up ballet. Take us back to that time in college and your grandmother giving you that advice. Oh, well, they had, no, she gave me that advice. Uh, that was a, a long, long time ago. I think I might have been like five or six. And uh, they, they were putting me <laughs> in gymnastics and ba- ballet. And it was crazy because she, I think she heard Lynn Swan talk about it. And so uh, she was like, oh, you should try this. And, you know, I was, I was pretty athletic. We were playing flag football at the time, or I was. And, um, you know, I, I, learned, I learned really what we call contact balance and body control, like how to, you know, change my body so that I don't take on a full hit or how I, you know, can 
get hit and then catch my balance again and keep running. And so that game, I think that was after we played Washington. We had a big rushing day that day, and um, people were just kind of asking, like, what happened? Like, how how are you able to stay up on some of these these runs? And it was really because I just, you know, my whole life I'd been like my grandmother and grandfather kind of, uh, and my mother helped me get to this point by doing different sports or doing different things, and and ballet was one of them. So, Maurice, tell me if you think my theory works. I'd love to hear it from you. When I listen to you break down and analyze the Rams games, I just, I'm in my car listening, and I so enjoy that you you take it sideways sometimes. You have this incredible ability that other people don't have, which is to change directions in the analysis. Do you feel those lessons you learn physically translate to you mentally and emotionally in life as well? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, life is always changing, just like just like football. Uh, as we were listening, I was listening to LaDainian Thompson. They have this play designed perfectly, and then uh, Neil falls down right in front of him. You have to be able to adjust. And so uh, in football, they always tell you to be adjustable, adaptable, and flexible. And so that's just something that you kind of adapt in your life. Uh, and the, the, the really the, the, the crazy thing about it, um, you know, I wasn't a big mental health person when I was growing up because I was so singularly focused on football. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've gotten older and football's kind of gone away and, and I, I'm in the working force, um, you, you learn, you know, how to adjust and make yourself, you know, uh, if you have anxiety or if you have your, your battling depression, the things that help you feel better. And so um, very similar to, to football that if I wanted to be faster, I had to run more and do different trainings for it. The same thing for my mental health as well as you, you learn to fight um, and figure out what helps you. And then you just go out and you do it as much as you possibly can. And so it's uh, I know this time has been tough for a lot of people just with the, you know, stay home orders and all the different things that, you know, we're trying to, to do to combat COVID. Uh, it, it can be tough, but I, I encourage people to try to get out and exercise and whatever you can do to get, you know, fresh air and, and not be cooped up in the house because it can drive you crazy. Maurice, we're talking to the great Maurice Jones-Drew about the influence of ballet on his life and the ability to change directions in an instant. A professor of mine who really taught me how to do hip replacement surgery to the elite level, Dr. Ranawat, he used to t- teach us. The eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know, which meant you had to go home at night and read up on all the articles, all the papers you could. You had to fill your brain with the knowledge, and then you saw things differently. We hear about LaDainian Tomlinson idolizing Walter Payton and Emmett Smith. What is it that you saw in your heroes that we need to appreciate? As football fans, maybe we don't see all the things you see. Who was your idol growing up, and why were they so special? Uh, it, it's funny you ask that. I wasn't a big football fan growing up. Like, my buddies got me into it, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as I started to watch, you know, there was, you know, when I was in high school, there was a guy by the name of DJ Williams who got drafted to the Denver Broncos, played at the University of Miami, uh, was the number one high school football player in the country, and I got a chance to work out with him as a freshman. And uh, I learned that sometimes things can be hard, but if you push through it, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, right? So there's a couple workouts where he would run me into the ground and I would like almost throw up or probably throw up. And 
And if I didn't come back the next day, they would kind of talk trash to me. I never wanted that. So I just learned, like, you're going to go through hard times. You just got to keep pushing through it. That was one. Uh, when I got to college, Eric Bieniemy was my my running back coach. Uh, I got a mm-hmm. chance to watch him. And, and very similar to him and Barry Sanders, it was like guys that weren't your ideal NFL player, wasn't the ideal size, but had a great career in the NFL, was very successful in the NFL. Um, you know, it just taught me determination, right? And I mm-hmm. think – you know, those those two things there, like not willing to quit when things get tough and being mm-hmm. determined to see things all the way through um, have been something that's kind of helped me push forward uh, in this life that I'm living. And I think the same thing when we talk about, you talk about the Rams games where, you know, I may try to bring up an analogy or talk about something and I, I go left a little bit and I try to bring it back, but it's because I want to reach a, a bigger audience. I want everyone mm-hmm. to understand that, you know, just just because they're on TV and they're on the football field and they run doesn't mean they're human. Doesn't mean they go through certain things. It doesn't mean that you know their mistakes or or their problems aren't as big as yours or they can handle it. Like no, everyone deals with their own stuff their own way. And so, uh, like I said, determination and 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 just fighting through adversity uh, are two things that I, I definitely um, try to deal with. You know, I, I, I it's part of my life. I I I put, I put it into my kids. Uh, which I, I enjoy watching them go through adverse situations and how they mm-hmm. handle it, and I try to help them through it. But we all go through stuff, and, it, and you know, the older we get, the more we realize, you know, things that we could probably could have done or didn't do, and we try to go back and fix them. But, you know, it, it's, part of, it's part of your life. It's part of your story, so continue to write it. Hmm. Let me ask you a question then, Maurice. When we listen nowadays to Tony Romo break down a game, it, even for the casual fan, when he sits there and says, uh-oh, look over here. He's lining up here. I think they're going to do this. And then sure enough, they go and do that very play. Is there someone in broadcasting that you see as a hero, someone you want to emulate in terms of breaking down a game? Um, so, when I, I mean, that's the one thing that I've learned um, uh, that I've learned in, in this in this business, you got to be you, right? There's so mm-hmm. many different people out there. You can take stuff from certain people. Again, Tony Romo is a great example of how he jumped on the scene. He's a guy that I watch. Um, you know, I've been watching Aqib to leave because he has his own spin to it when he calls games for Fox. Um, and I've watched a lot of people over the years, but I just want to be me. I want when people, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want them to say like, oh, he sounds like this person or he sounds like that person. Like these are his ideas. These are his thoughts. And, I, mm-hmm. and, you know, I want to be me. And I think that is the, the one thing that we, we have to try to do is um, I have a daughter who, you know, watches people on TikTok and, you know, I want to be like her and this and that. And I, and I, and I always tell her, like, you're special in your own right. That, that person's very special because of the talents they have and the things they're doing. But you're, you're special as well. So, so be the best you you can be. And that's what I try to do when I go here. Now, don't get me wrong. I watch a lot of people. And I study what they do, but I try to put it into, you know, kind of put it into my little recipe of how I can be successful calling games. Mm. When you were at UCLA, of the many classes you took, did you have a favorite professor? Um, I had a couple. Uh, I can't lie. I don't, I don't remember their names. That was so long ago. But um, <laughs> I remember the reason I got into TV was because uh, I had an English professor who uh, UCLA, most of the athletes, they put us in kind of a, a testing English course. And then if you test out of it or if you, you do well in the first couple months, 
you can, you know, go into a different class. And so mm-hmm. uh, this was a long time ago. This was, what, 15 years ago? So, mm-hmm. no, this is more than that. What was that? 15, 17 years ago? 17 years ago. So, anyways, uh, long story short, I, I tested out of it, but but the teacher told me, hey, like, maybe we can do something else here. Um, and I was like, all right, cool, no problem. And and so the one thing she, she taught me was, you know, I had to prepare a piece, then I had to kind of recite it in front of everyone um, and public speaking, right? And being able to speak in front of your peers. I had buddies who were throwing things at me, you know, making fun of me, which is the, the scariest thing to do. But once I was able to do that, it made it so much easier for me to talk on television because at that point, I'm, I'm like, look, what's the worst that can happen, right? Like, I've already went through it at 18. My buddy's laughing at me, and I'm getting – you know, joked on at lunch and in the cafeteria and those type of things. But as time went on, I just got more and more comfortable. Um, and so I'd like to thank her. I think her, her last name was West, Westbrook, maybe. Um, <laughs> it was an English class. So it was, it was pretty, it was pretty, it was a very child was challenged at a young age at 18 years old, uh, very impressionable. And I'd have to thank her for, you know, challenging me to be better. I just love that you accepted the the whole idea of dance and ballet when most kids trying to be macho particularly obviously boys might have resisted and you could just tell you are just so easy at changing directions in your analysis in everything that you do in life maurice and it's really inspiring to go below just the surface of the words you're using in your descriptions to see how comfortable you are going left, going right, and then bringing the listener back to the play at hand. Your, your analysis, there was one play I was listening to you where you were talking about the dynamic that must be occurring in the locker room with the coach, Sean McVay, with this one player and how important it was that he kept complimenting this player and giving him the ball. Nobody else would have given us this analysis but you. And I believe it's your nature to be so comfortable changing directions physically and mentally. And I got to give that credit to your mom and your grandmother for inspiring you in the early days. Yeah, no, quite. It wasn't easy uh, dressing up in tights. I promise you that. But <laughs> you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable is what they say. And I, I try to really in, 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 uh, indulge in that. You know, keep doing what you're doing, Maurice. I really, I know how busy you are today with all the games that are on. And I really appreciate you making the time. We really just love listening to you on the radio. Thanks for making the time this morning. Uh, no problem. I'll see you later. Have a good day. Okay, you too. God bless. That's the great Maurice Jones-Drew. And we'll get into more of what learning ballet, changing directions in an instant. And we'll hear some sound bites now from the greatest to ever do it, the great Rudolf Nureyev. Wait till you hear what he did at the French airport in 1961. It's amazing. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Come on, come on. I see no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself, is life worth living? Should I blast myself? I'm tired of being poor and even worse, I'm black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. Cops give a damn about a Negro. Pull a trigger, kill a he's a hero. Get a to the kids who the hell cares. One less hungry mouth on the welfare. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Post. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL. 
patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your need Dr. Clapper. on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Cool. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. What's the best medicine? Besides chicken soup, <laughs> vitamin C, <laughs> green tea, <laughs> prunes, uh, yeah. shot whiskey, <laughs> not around here. What's the best medicine? I cannot wait. We call it clafter. <laughs> and my doctor, Clapper, he don't help either. He told me to run five miles a day for two weeks. I called him up. I said, Doc, I'm 70 miles from my house. Clafter. <laughs> Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I have a Beatles wig on. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. We're playing David Bowie Changes. Steve Paulette picks this one because it's changing directions, which with COVID-19, we're going to have to make a lot of changes in the way we live our lives. The physical knowledge of changing direction and the emotional and mental ability to change directions. When I heard that Maurice Jones-Drew studied ballet, Lynn Swan studied ballet, which gave them that extra skill set. They did wonderful things on the football field, but they were also able successfully to change directions in their life. Lynn Swan ultimately running for office and running the athletic department at USC. What an emotional and mental change that is. Maurice Jones drew transitioning so beautifully into the broadcasting booth. Today's topic is how if you learn it physically, you also can learn it mentally by learning ballet. Well, who is the greatest ballet dancer of the 20th century? He was a Russian named Rudolf Nureyev. And you're gonna hear in these sound bites how amazing he was as a dancer, physically, leaping, landing, jumping. But he also did the ultimate change in direction with his life. Because he was so comfortable doing it physically. He left Russia suddenly at the French airport. Mm, what a story. Let's listen to the beginning. Number one. Rudolf Nureyev was one of the 20th century's most charismatic figures. Adored by millions, he dominated the world of ballet for more than 30 years with his beauty, passion and athletic prowess. But this god of the dance came from humble beginnings. He was born on a crowded train travelling across Siberia in 1938 and at the age of three he was evacuated with his mother to a remote village in the Bashkir Republic. Life was hard. His childhood was spent in grim poverty, and he remembered often going hungry. But at the age of six, he was taken to the ballet for the first time, and it changed his life. 
just like in the case of Ladanian Tomlinson. He knew what he wanted to do from an early age, even though he wasn't starting on the high school football team, even though he was too short, not fast enough. Don't ever give up if you've got a dream. Nureyev had a dream. When he saw ballet for the first time, that's what I want to do, he said. Number two. I saw ballet at the age of six first time. The next year, at the age of seven, I saw Swan Lake. Mm-hmm. And of course, I was flabbergasted and I saw, I, I knew that's what I'm going to do. I remember when I came to the kindergarten next morning, uh, there's one room with the crystal chandelier and parquet floor. I was dancing away. I don't know what I was doing. Uh, they quickly whisked me out and threw into the garden. <laughs> when, it, when Cupid shoots that arrow in your heart and you fall in love, don't ever stop. Listen to the determination Nuriev had. Ah, oh, just awesome. Number three. This passion for dancing had to be concealed from his father, who wanted Nureyev to follow him into the army. Yet he persisted, and against all odds, was accepted at the legendary Kirov school at the late age of 17. His training at Kirov was essentially in the grandest traditions of classical dancing. Number four. And it was a training which was perhaps short for him because he arrived late, but he did fortunately become under the tutelage of a great teacher, Alexander Pushkin. And Nureyev's temperament was, was such that he must have absorbed so much from Pushkin that he probably gained more out of his relatively short time as a student and a dancer than many another artist there would have gained in twice the time. Next. At the end of his course, he went to a competition in Moscow and amazed everybody with the way he danced, including the Corsair Pas de Deux, which later became one of his signature pieces in the West. Um, so it was no surprise that he got offered a contract with the Kirov Ballet in Leningrad. And this is where the fun starts. For three years, at age 20 to 23, he's dancing for the Kirov in Russia, amazing everybody. But when 1961 hits, after three years of being with them, he realizes he's going to have to pivot. He's going to have to change directions emotionally. Number six. He spent the next three years at the Kirov dancing principal roles in the great 19th century classics. Sleeping Beauty, Swan Lake, La Bayadere and Le Corsair. By the time he went to Paris with the company at the age of 23, he was already one of Russia's biggest stars. There had been rumors, reports in 1959-1960 about this extraordinary young man. And when in 1961 the Kirov came to Paris, Nureyev danced. We heard about this and we expect him in London. Number seven. Paris was a watershed in Nureyev's life, not only because of his huge artistic success there, but also because it gave him his first taste of freedom. Obviously, he tasted a new kind of experience. Um, It wasn't approved, but he mixed with dancers from the Paris Opera. He went out and savoured the nightlife. Um, He had a wonderful time. 
um, not doing what he was told to do, which was always his attitude. But the Russians could sense, uh-oh, he's not in Russia. He's in France right now. We need to make up some bogus thing to get him to come back because he's going to defect if this keeps up. Well, they were right. Number eight. Despite an array of success, his arrogant disdain for company regulations so angered Soviet authorities that they ordered him to return to Moscow on the pretext of dancing at a state gala. Probably authorities thought he's dangerous. We have to better now to send him back to Moscow. And he, he had, had an intuition. The last moment, he jumped to the police in airport. In the airport, number nine. On June the 17th, 1961, while waiting at the airport, Nureyev handed himself over to the French authorities. The Kirov went on to London without him. And the next day, we've been in London. And I remember holding newspaper and uh, on the, this headline of these big portraits of him, headline, rooted defection, sensation. And as especially for us, uh, for Kirov Valia, to see that, we were so down. Number 10. The height of the Cold War. It was a time when we really did believe that there could be a war between the Soviet Union and the West. I mean, it was not just sort of vague. And uh, this was just before the Cuban Missiles Crisis. It was just after the U-2 flight. And Russia was in many ways ahead of us. So it was an enormous shock when this handsome, gloriously mysterious man from the East decided he wanted to come to us. It was uh, a boost, in a way, for the, uh, for the ego of the West. Now I just want you to hear these last two sound bites. These are ballet experts eyewitnessing the very first time they're seeing Nureyev doing things that no one else has ever done before. He's so happy he's not in Russia anymore. This one critic describes him as a force of nature, being able to change directions in a way no one could ever do before physically, but it's because he was able to change directions and leave Russia emotionally and mentally. Number 11. We first saw him dance at a gala organized by Dame Margaret Fontaine for the Royal Academy of Dancing. And for that, he asked for a solo from Sir Frederick Ashton. He was no simpleton in knowing what was going to be good choreography. Uh, the curtain went up. It was a Scriabin uh, poem tragique. And onto the stage surged this wonderful young man in great heights and with a tricolour sash. And I think we all knew at that moment we were in the presence of a force of nature. And finally, this is the music, the orchestra conductor, who's positioned right at the end of the stage, having the music from the orchestra. And here comes Nuria running as fast as he can and stops on a dime, almost falls into the orchestra pit, eyewitnessing the very first time he dances in London. Number 12. The whole house was bursting to see this dancer they'd heard about that had escaped. And the curtain went up after a little overture, and there he was standing right at the back of the stage. And somehow the look of him holding the cloak, immobile, and the continuance of the music froze the house. They, I don't think anyone clapped, as it were. 
Then we came to this first musical climax, and he suddenly rushed forward as fast as he could, right to the front of the stage, right opposite me, and the whole house went mad. They went, ah! like this. It was a terrific shock for the audience, so much so that he lost his nerve, and he forgot all the steps that Fred had given him. And so he sort of ad-libbed a solo, and then picked up a bit that Fred had given him and so on, but it wasn't really the solo that Fred had given him at all. He ad-libbed the solo, the ability to change direction. Steve, let's just play number 14 from Ladanian Tomlinson. When we, instead of the word ad lib, you hear Ladanian say, what did I do? I bounced it. Let's play that. So what did I do? I bounced it. The joy they had picking him up and just everybody felt a part in it. The great number 21, as humble as the day is long, celebrated with all of his teammates in the end zone. There was no spotlight dance. Pointing to the guys, pointing to the crowd as it wasn't about him. And that's why guys loved him. You did it! How many touchdowns he had that year? Was it 26? 31 touchdowns? 31 touchdowns in one season? It's a crazy number. Whether you're a football fan witnessing LaDainian Tomlinson or Maurice Jones-Drew, or you're a ballet fan witnessing Nuriev bouncing it, ad-libbing, that's the secret. You physically can change directions, but it teaches you how to do it mentally. What a great lesson to learn from the world of ballet. Coming up next, the clinic will be open. I'll take your calls. We'll do some clap revision. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show every Saturday morning here on 710 ESPN. How the others must see the faker. I'm much too fast to take that test. Change it. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm Big Clap. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Dream about the pictures that I play. Of changes. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The great Phil Oaks, one of my favorite singers, singing a song he wrote and sings, Changes. I don't know if we'll have enough time for the clinic right now. I'll try to make time. But for those of you who listen for 10 years now every Saturday, you know what my favorite food is. It's pizza. Well, this week... I had a life-changing 
Slice of Pizza. It's a brand new place in LA. Who knew that pepperoni could be made spicier? For those of you who love to put jalapenos on everything and hot sauce like Cholula and Tapatio, what if the spice was already in the pepperoni that would knock your socks off? They actually don't even call it pepperoni. They call it spicy roni. It's the greatest pepperoni slice of pizza I've ever had. And I had it this week, delivered to my office. Oh my God, I'm gonna tell you all about that coming up a little later. But for those of you who love pepperoni pizza, this is the best slice of pepperoni pizza you'll ever have in your life. And it came to LA, came from New York, and I'll tell you where the place is up on Sunset Boulevard in West Hollywood. Let's see if we can squeeze in a quick call. Let's go to Danny in Huntington Park here. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, Dr. Clapper, how are you doing today? Okay, Danny, how old are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 32, and I'm a FedEx delivery driver. Oh, so you're jumping in and out of the truck. I wonder if you hurt your knee. Yes, I did. <laughs> I heard it playing basketball. <laughs> I'll pick up game after work. <laughs> Listen, at 32, you're still indestructible, Danny, so I'm not going to yell at you, but do not let them give you a cortisone shot, okay? No, I already had the I already had the surgery. I already messed up. Oh no. Yeah, I didn't do my research. Oh damn. Well, there's a book I wrote, Danny, with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. Make sure you get a copy. We give the money to the homeless. Heal your knees. It'll show you exercises to do. Did you tear your meniscus? Did you tear your ACL? What did you do in there? I tore my ACL and meniscus. And did they use your own body part or did they use a cadaver? No, they used my own body part. Okay, cool. Hamstring or patella tendon? Hamstring. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, but that's okay. Are you having trouble with range of motion? What's the problem? Uh, I can't I can bend my leg all the way back. Mm. And then now I get a, like, a, like a cramp like really fast on the back of my hamstring. Oh, boy. How long ago did you have the surgery? About two years ago. A year, oh, a year boy. And a half ago. Have you had an MRI since the surgery's been done? No. So that's going to be your next chest move, Danny. I need you. You don't need dye injected, but just a regular MRI, a new one of your knee. And I'm going to tell Steve Paulette to make time for you. You get the new MRI. Get the report in front of you. And you'll call in, and I will help you get through this with some clapper vision and explain what the next step is. But that's your next chest move. Okay, Danny? Okay, thank you. And make them do it. Don't let them say you need a second opinion. If they do that, you tell them one thing. You tell them you got a second opinion from Dr. Clapper, all right? <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> Don't let them push you around, young man. It'll be my pleasure to help you. Oh, the first time was, was, oh, man, it was crazy the first time. The first time all they wanted to do was just the x-ray. I, yeah, I had to work. I worked with a torn ACL meniscus for like a year because they didn't want to do the MRI. Well, you fight with those guys. Get a new MRI, and it will be my pleasure to help you, Danny, okay? All right, thank you. All right, God bless you. I can't wait to talk to you afterwards. All right, Warriors, coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories, some stories of what changing direction 
that we learn from studying ballet physically and mentally in art and sports and in my world of surgery. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. To brown and to yellow they fade And then they have to die Trapped within the circle time parade Of changes Weekend Warriors on Facebook Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.